Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. What is going on, everybody? My name is Michael, and I'm the host of 5050 Football. Welcome to episode one of the podcast. Alongside me, I got my friend Mason here. Say what's going on to the people. What's going on, everybody? My name's Mason. I'm Mikey Boy's uh, co-host here at the uh, the 5050 Podcast. Episode one, we're excited, ready to go. We're going to be dropping a new episode every Tuesday and Thursday year-round, too. So we're going to focus on redraft a little more right now, obviously, but all year round. So we're going to be talking about dynasty quite a bit as well. So I'm excited to get started. Uh, just our first few episodes here, we're going to do a little series just on, on uh, some division previews. So today we're starting out with the NFC West and uh, yeah, we'll get right into it. I'll kick it over to Mikey. We're going to start with, uh, with the Rams here, I think. Sounds good. All righty. Well, it's the Super Bowl champs. Um, Running back with another season. Didn't lose too much, in my opinion. Um, I no. think they're still a very strong team. Uh, the only really significant player that they really lost was Odell. Um, and they didn't even really need him when the time came. And they replaced him yeah. instantly with Allen Robinson. Um, yeah. However, for fantasy, I have a big question for you, Mace. What do you think about Cam Akers this year? Honestly, one of the most boom-bust running backs I agree on the, on the board for me. I agree. You look at the production we've seen from him. We've seen him go off. We've seen the potential. And then last year coming off that injury. And again, he rushed back. So we'll give him a little bit of uh, leeway on it. He got back really quick from that Mm -hmm. injury, but the efficiency was just not there. And that was really concerning. Um, However, even with that lack of efficiency, we saw the McVeigh, continue to give him the rock yeah. Yeah. so mcveigh wants him to succeed and i think with a running back that's the most important thing having a coach that's behind you having a coach that wants you to succeed yeah and can't and can't make he he has the talent as well he's not yeah. he's not some bum that's being forced into a role right so he has the talent he was super explosive explosive coming out of college great pass blocker we just haven't seen him yet at at full capacity mm-hmm. i feel so I think this season is make or break for him. I think this is going to kind of decide the type of player that he is. And if we get the right value, I'm completely happy to to draft him. But yeah. like I said, very boomer bust. It's going to be a risky pick, but one that could, in my opinion, be a potential league winner. Yeah, I would have to agree with you there. And even if you look at the depth chart of the Rams, they don't really have a solidified two. Um, you can think about Daryl Henderson from last year, but out of camp, we're hearing now that this fifth round pick they took Kyron Williams might even take his spot. And we don't know how good Kyron Williams is. And we, and we think back at the 
early Rams or not early Rams, but from a few years ago, uh, Gurley, they gave him the ball a lot. And you're going to still expect Cup and Allen Robinson now uh, to get those touches. But when you really think about the Rams offense in general, it's a very, very run first offense. And I think last year they just didn't really have that. And I think this year with Akers back from the Achilles, he's off about eight months now since the Achilles, since he's recovered from the Super Bowl around the playoff time. So I think he'll be fully 100%. It's something to monitor in training camp, I think. But if you're not hearing anything bad out of camp, I don't know why you would not take a third-round pick. This was a guy we were talking about last year going in the first round. And now he's in the third round. So if you get the talent in the third round to able to draft this guy, you take that. And, and there's no reason why you shouldn't on that elite of an offense. So as far as Cam Aker goes, I agree. Boomer bust for sure. But I think it's more of a boom than a bust. I think he's a safe floor. I, I think that the, the boom is there. But as far as the bust goes, I don't think he's really going to fall from where you're drafting him. You're drafting him with guys like James Conner and Leonard Fournette. And yeah. I was... I'm, I'm taking Akers over those two any day of the week. Yeah, I was just going to say, he seems risky. And then you look at the running backs around him in ADP. So right now, uh, ADP-wise, uh, he's 32. So above him, you've got Ezekiel Elliott. And then below him, you've got Antonio Gibson and James Conner. Some studs, so, some real studs right there. But I feel like they're kind of similar players where they could bust just as easily as Cam Akers. So yeah. you, you look at a James Conner or a Gibson or an Elliott, do they have the ceiling of Cam Akers? I'm not convinced they do. Mm-mm. Elliott has Pollard in there, who I have a feeling they're going to want to get more involved. Gibson... They tried to bring back McKissick and stole him back. And then we got Brian Robinson. They went out and spent good draft capital on. And then James yeah. Conner to me is, we'll, we'll talk about him later in, in yeah. the episode here today, <laughs> but I'm, I'm not a fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the touchdowns were inflated last year. So where you're taking acres, I think the risk is worth, worth that, that upside, especially with the, the other guys you're going to be considering over him. I a hundred percent agree. Yeah. Yeah. And then we, we turn to the wide receiver room. Yeah. It, and mm-hmm. like you said, you get the sense this can be more a run run based offense this year. And I'm with you on that. You look back at, and again, they had Jared Goff at quarterback. <laughs> yeah. So it's a little bit of a, a different offense. Absolutely. But they like to run the ball and run the ball effectively and mm-hmm. push the pace that way. And I don't think they had the ability, as you said, just due to the lack of depth they had at that position last year. But with Akers coming back, with Darrell Henderson still being there, and then they brought in Kyron Williams, who I'm not the biggest fan of uh, through, through the scouting process. He's a little small, a little slow, um, but he's good depth. He's, he's the mm-hmm. running back three right now with the depth chart, yeah. right? So I think just having that depth allows him to kind of push with the run, the run a little more. And I think yeah. that is going to affect Cooper cup this year. And obviously Cooper cups, a stud. I've got no problem drafting him anywhere. If you want to take him top three, go for it. Yeah. One of the greatest seasons I've personally seen in, in fantasy football last year, but I think we see some regression just, yeah. just in the volume numbers of this passing, yeah. of this passing offense. Well, I agree. And I, I think that, 
when these receivers have these record years, you think of Michael Thomas, what happened after you think of Devonte yeah. last year, they it's always term for aggression, but I don't think acres is really going to implement two cups here. I, I, if I have a top three pick, I'm taking cup anyways. He's in my opinion, probably the safest player in the draft just for where you're taking him and what you're going to get from him. I, I don't see it being that much. I see acres role more affecting the other guys in the room. Uh, Allen Robinson, Van Jefferson, I feel like he's just going to get around 20 to 25 touches a game. And I think that he's going to be way more effective in the receiving game. And I think that's kind of going to affect Allen Robinson and Van Jefferson. So if you have a cup, if you're a cup owner dynasty, I would not be worried. He's still going to get uh, who, who knows how many targets a game with him and Stafford. But I, I personally wouldn't worry about cup. I, I'm more worried about the other guys in the room. So you're, you're not massive then on Allen Robinson. You got a little bit of concerns with him still. Mm, yeah, no, I, I'm not a huge fan of him. Just, okay. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. I, I want him to prove me wrong. I, I think he's a great receiver and it kind of never got a good quarterback. So this is his time yeah. to really show that with a good quarterback, he's an elite receiver, but uh, I don't know. We'll have to see. Yeah. But, um, I, I, I'm excited about Allen Robinson, man. Um, like you said, he's never had a quarterback really. Yeah. And even with the spotty quarterback play that we've seen, he's put up some sweet fantasy seasons. Blake Bortles, and it was his quarterback yeah, the one year. And true. I believe he had 1,400 receiving yards, Blake Bortles. Mm-hmm. And I'd have to stat check that, but the talent is there. Yeah. And I feel like he's just been so handicapped by his quarterback play yeah. for so many years. I'm excited to see him with a quarterback that's willing to sling it. And again, he's being drafted a wide receiver 27. Yeah, he, his he is Amon Ross. Amon Ross St. Brown is wide receiver twenty eight. Think about yeah. that. You got you got probably the wide receiver two, depending on how Jameis Williams comes out uh, in Amon Ross St. Brown with Jared Goff at quarterback in yeah. a Detroit Lions offense, going at the same time as Allen Robinson, who's proven he has the talent. He's got Matthew Stafford at quarterback. He's got McVay calling the shots. Yeah where you're getting Allen Robinson seems like such a value to me. And like you said, cups, the guy there and he's always going to be, and he's mm-hmm. going to absorb so many targets, but Allen Robinson to me, his talent is there and he's going to rise to the top and he's going to, he's going to command those targets because of that just raw, raw ability. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's just how I feel. Again, I just think it's a good value. Yeah. If he was going, you know, up and, maybe the the Jalen Waddle, Deontay Johnson, like up in there, Michael Pittman, Terry McLaurin, you're not taking him there. Yeah. Obviously, there's a line. The top 15, he's not in that top 15. But as a solid, well, I guess he's being drafted as wide receiver three. He's wide receiver 27. So in a standard 12-team format, mm-hmm. you're looking at a wide receiver three. I'm three. ecstatic to have Allen Robinson as a wide receiver three any day of the week. Yeah, I guess we'll have to see. And I think that, we could probably move on from the Rams now. Uh, yeah. Final note, though, I, I think that where I'll say where Matthew Stafford is being drafted is insane to me. I, I, I think that he should be way higher than QB 10. I think he's even he is top five potential with that offense. And we'll just have to see. But we'll go from there. So I think the next team we can go to is the Niners. So I know you yeah. have a few opinions of the Niners. And I'll, yeah. I'll just let you start with the Niners right now. Yeah, I think for me. The 49ers are maybe the most intriguing team for Mm -hmm. fantasy this year. And I'm not saying in terms of, oh, I love every player on the offense, but I'm just saying for for kind of storylines. It's been four straight years now where they haven't had a repeat lead runner. 
A lot of people are high on Elijah Mitchell. He's being drafted high. And I'm concerned because that running back room is loaded. It's not like a, a Cam Akers situation where, yeah, there's Darrell Henderson, but there's nobody really rivaling him ultimately as mm. that RB1. If you look at the depth chart of the 49ers, Mitchell, they drafted last year. He had a great rookie year, but he was a sixth-round pick. Yep. You look mm-hmm. at James Robinson, man. James Robinson came out, lit it up. He was undrafted, so they don't care. They'll replace you. Unless a team is spending draft capital on you or has invested in a large contract, you're not safe. Mm-hmm. And that is my concern with Elijah Mitchell here. And they went out and drafted Tyrion Davis-Price, which I, I guess yeah. he's not the explosive player Elijah Mitchell is. But on a down-for-down basis, Tyrion Davis-Price gets the job done. If, if it's third and two, and you've got T, Tyrion Davis-Price there, and you've got Elijah Mitchell, yeah, Elijah Mitchell might rip that run off for a 70-yard touchdown, but there's a much greater chance that he gets stuffed than Tyrion Davis-Price. Tyrion Davis-Price is a big guy, and he cut a lot of weight for the 40-yard dash, so <clears throat> he got listed at 209 for, for the combine which I feel it gave people, it gave people kind of a false uh, narrative on how big this guy actually is. He was listed between 220 and 235 pounds every year in college. And I think that's going to be more what we see at the NFL level. And I think with this Trey Lance offense, where they're going to be running a lot, they need a bigger bruiser back. That's going to be able to handle this workload. And I don't think necessarily he's going to take over Tyrion Davis price, but I don't see it being the same as last year where one guy took the workload all game long. I just yeah. don't see it. I think you're going to be running too much for a running back to handle an 80 percentile uh, workload. And I think we're going to see it spread out a lot more. And they, they got Trey Sermon too, who he was in the doghouse last year, never really got out of it, but a lot can change in an off season. So between Elijah Mitchell, Jeff Wilson, Tyrion Davis price and Trey Sermon, mm-hmm. I think something that not a lot of people are looking at is this is likely going to turn into a committee the gong show i it's going to be a gong show and we've never really seen that type of running game with uh with the shanahan offense here in in san francisco we see it change game to game but it was always a bell cow and i think i think we're set to see something a little different this year uh with with this 49ers offense yeah, I'd have to agree with you on the first part. You said they are by far the most intriguing team in this offseason to look at. You don't know who's starting at QB, really. We don't know what's happening there yet. Uh, I guess we'll see, we'll see see soon with training camp, but it's expected to be Trey Lance. But then what do they do with Jimmy G, who just led them to another NFC championship game? So I, I just don't really understand what they're going to do here. And last year, we can just rewind to last offseason when – we all thought Brandon Ayuk was the number one guy there. And then what happens? Debo Samuel has an insane year, insane year. So what do we do this year? Looking at these receivers, we have Ayuk there. We have Debo there. We're hearing stuff out of camp that Juwan Jennings is looking great in the off season. And it's just a really intriguing team. And, and the RB room kind of tips it all is the tip of the iceberg because you have four guys, even maybe five, because Jamichael Hasty is still in the roster. And he's yeah. not that bad either. So what is the hell is Kyle Shanahan going to do with these five guys? And who's going to be the main guy? Is he going yeah. to go across the board? I guess we'll have to see. But as, as far as fantasy implications go, I have no idea what I'm going to do. I think George Kittle is still safe. 
as long as he stays healthy. Um, I think he's kind of being forgotten about in this whole offense because of everything else that's going on in fantasy. We're all talking about what the running back situation and the receiver situation is going to be. And everyone keeps forgetting that there's a top three tight end on the team. So I, I think George Kittle is still safe. Uh, as far as Debo and Ayuk go, I have no idea what's going to happen again. I don't know if I really feel comfortable taking Debo at like the 15th pick. The one or the 203 is where he's being drafted right now around in most formats. Um, and as far as Elijah Mitchell goes, I think he's late fifth round, early sixth round. Um, I don't know if I would take either of those guys there. So I guess we'll just have to find out. We'll have to wait and see. Um, but as far as the 49ers yeah. go, I think that covers it for now. Um, this is a team that everyone should be really watching in camp as soon as camp starts next yeah. week. A lot can um, change. With a this lot team. can change. One little injury. Uh, we remember that what happened with Kareem Hunt a few years ago on the Chiefs. One injury in the preseason. What happens? We get a top five running back in fantasy football that year. So we really got to watch that. And I think that can cover the 49ers for now. Um, let's now move to the Arizona Cardinals, who as of today just spent the absolute bag on Mr. Kyler Murray. Yep. Uh, Mace, what do you think about that contract? <sighs> I'm going to be honest. I, I know it's hard to move on from a quarterback like Kyler because mm-hmm. he is a top. I mean, I, I think you have to kind of determine whether you're talking about an NFL quarterback or a fantasy quarterback. Yep. Because when you're evaluating Kyler Murray, it's very, very different. As a, fi- as a fantasy quarterback, he's amazing. He's a staple top five. Draft him any day of the week. Um, but you're asking me about the contract, how I feel about the contract. And I think it just locked the Cardinals in to being a contender for yeah. the five rest years. of his, for yeah. the next five years. And they'll never make a Super Bowl. That's how yep. I feel about it. Yep. I agree. Uh, they, they will win 10 to 12 games every year for the next five years, have the hype. But I don't think Kyler Murray is the guy that's going to get it done. Again, mm-hmm. I love him as a fancy quarterback, but if I'm looking at it from Arizona's front office, I don't, I don't like locking in Kyler. I don't think he's a great NFL quarterback. I think he makes great plays and has flashes of being brilliant, but I watch him in high-pressure moments, in big games, and it, he time and time again just seems out of it and confused and, mm-hmm. and discombobulated, and I don't see him ever being able to string together a postseason that allows the Cardinals to win a Super Bowl. Yeah. So that's my view on it. Again, I know it's hard to move on from a guy that because he is fringe. He's right there. He's he's just that tier below those Super Bowl caliber quarterbacks. So I know it's tough to move on from a guy like that. But if you're not going to win a Super Bowl, what are you doing? And yeah. obviously they feel differently. They feel that like he is a Super Bowl quarterback. I just don't see it. I don't see his style of play being sustained throughout a whole season and then going on a run in a postseason. I just can't see it. Can't see it happening, but I hope I'm wrong. Cause I like Kyler as a, as a, as a player, he's fun yeah. to watch, but I don't know. I don't see him being that, that dynasty quarterback that the Cardinals are hoping for. Yeah. I, I'd have to agree with you there. And I, I think the biggest tell was last year's playoff game and he just looked completely uninterested in football and it didn't even really seem like he wanted to win that game it's I kind of compare him to the Ben Simmons of football I just think that he (laughs) likes to show up 
and he likes to just make money and get the fame. He he doesn't really seem like a guy that's really interested in the sport of football. And I know it's harsh yes. to say, but I mean, you look at his playoff his playoff game, and it's just like, what was he doing? Like, <laughs> like he had an yeah. awful completion percentage. He threw one of the worst picks I've ever seen in my life in a playoff game. And I know people are probably going to hate on that comment, but you're looking at a guy that's not really the prototypical quarterback build. And he's 5'10", no. that's listed at. Yeah. And he's a smaller guy. You can't really read the pocket there at, at that height. And I know for fantasy perspective, he's great. And I had him last year in fantasy and I wanted to kill him some weeks. But I just don't – is he worth $46 million a year? I yeah. don't really think so. No. And I, I think Cardinals – might really regret this contract. I think that this was just sort of a, there was talk in the off season or talk a few months ago that they, he did not want to sign there. And they, I just think that they threw the bag at him and he just couldn't say no. I don't blame him. If I had $236 million waiting a a signature, I'm, I'm taking that. But from an Arizona Cardinals perspective, I, I don't know. I guess you got to keep him because of draft capital. He took a number one pick on him. Uh, You passed on, one of the best defensive end prospects of our decade and Nick Bosa. Um, Kyler has played good, but you got to think about that, that he was the first overall pick and I guess they just, they believe in him. So we'll have to see. Yeah. And you have to think too, from, from the managerial side, from the front office, from Cliff Kingsbury, if you go into a rebuild, their jobs are all on the line. Yeah. So you kind of think of it from the business perspective those guys, they know if they lock in with Kyler Murray, like I said, they're going to win 10 to 12 games every year. You're mm-hmm. not going to get fired if you're winning 10 to 12 games. So it makes sense for them. But again, uh, just to cap it off, I don't see a Super Bowl ever being won by Kyler Murray. I don't think he's he's that caliber. I don't think he's that type of player. I, I just think there's too many teams in the NFC that are just above them, one step above them. Yeah. And there's guys that are just better than him that I just don't see that ever happening. I, I don't, I don't see Kyler Murray in any world beating Matt Stafford in a playoff game. And no. Yeah. Anyways, continue, man. Yeah. So we'll, we'll move on now to one of my least favorite picks in fantasy football this year. And that's James Connor. Oof. Uh, here we go. I, I don't get it. When rankings started coming out this year and let, let, let me see, where does fancy pros have James Connor right now? Too high. They have him at RB 15, 29. So that is a, that's the 306, if, yeah. I'm, if I'm correct. About that, yeah. So you're telling me James Conner, who before last year was written off as busted, he's done. He has one season in a high-powered offense where he happens to score an, a ludicrous amount of touchdowns. And was, all of a sudden, yeah. All of a sudden, he's a third-round pick. I don't see how, in any way, people can look at that last season and say that that's sustainable. Um, he yeah, had seven. He had yeah. seven hundred and fifty-two rushing yards for a three-point-seven yards per attempt average, but and fifteen touchdowns. And then another thing that goes, no one even is looking at his receiving touchdowns. Mm-hmm. James Conner in his entire career before last season had four receiving touchdowns. He had three just last year. Mm-hmm. 
James Conner had 18 touchdowns in 15 games. If you think that is sustainable, you're fooling yourself. And the problem is, yeah, he's going at running back 15 right now. So yeah, obviously he's not being valued at 18 touchdown potential, but even to be RB 15, you're betting that he's probably going to have 10 to 12 touchdowns, yeah. which I just don't see. Last year, there was nobody to compete with in that backfield. And I think it's a false narrative that there's no one this year as well. Darrell Henderson, or sorry, Darrell Williams. Anytime you saw him get anything in Kansas City, he was explosive. He was a tough runner. Again, James Conner, he scored the touchdowns. He was not efficient. 3.7 yards per carry. That's atrocious. If Darrell Williams for a couple games goes out there and is ripping off five yards per carry, he's going to steal this job very easily. I don't think they're all in on James Conner. I think he came in and he was getting the ball in the end zone last year and they rode with him because they had nobody else. They also went out, they drafted Keontae Ingram, who he didn't get the draft capital, went sixth round, but I like Keontae Ingram a lot. For dynasty purposes, I had him as a second round pick. I think he's super shifty and uh, I, I really like his potential as a three down back. But again, with James Conner, I don't see the efficiency there and I don't see him getting any more efficient. And I think mm-hmm. that's going to make it really easy. Could be, you know, Benjamin, could be Darrell Williams, could be Keontae Ingram. I don't know who it's going to be. It's going to be a tough one to predict, kind of like that 49ers backfield. But I really don't see James Conner being an efficient enough runner to sustain that workhorse job with Arizona. Yeah. And as far as my opinion goes, it's about the same. Uh, me and Mace have the exact strong opinion on James Conner this year. Um, I watched a lot of Cardinals games last year because of Kyler Murray and my fantasy league and the amount of times that there would be a massive play, whether it be AJ green or, um, any of the receivers that Rondale Moore, they would bring it to the five yard line and they would literally run the ball three times. And then James Conner would get one yard, two yard, two yards, and he got a touchdown. I wanted to punch my TV and that's just the reality of it, but I don't see that happening this year. Hopkins is suspended for eight games, I believe. And that offense is just not going to be as explosive. It just isn't. And they're not going to get the red zone looks. So why are you going to bank on an inefficient runner that we know isn't efficient on an offense that's not going to get in the red zone as much? I just don't understand why he's being drafted at that spot. If you look at where he is and guys below him, you can get Kyle Pitts below him, Deontay Johnson, Jalen Waddell. You can get Michael Pittman. Terry McLaurin. These are guys five to 10 spots below James Conner. Why is he being drafted this high touchdowns? And that is just not going to, it's just not going to, it's negative it's TD aggression. It's not repeating. Exactly. Yeah. It's just, I, if there is a world where James Conner gets 18 touchdowns again, I will come back on this podcast and call myself a fool. But for now I'm staying on my opinion that he is going to bust. He is a bust in my opinion. Yeah. And we're not even touching on the fact that for some reason, the narrative around James Conner being injury prone disappeared. Yep. I don't know how that happened. Every year when he was on Pittsburgh and was actually an efficient, good runner, it was always, oh, he gets hurt. He gets hurt. He's injury prone. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how that narrative has just disappeared. Because I feel like 
this is where James Conner's being drafted when he was young and fresh and playing on a loaded Pittsburgh Steelers offense. I'm not seeing the upside with James Conner here to, to calculate the risk or to offset the risk, I should say. We'll see. Um, I just don't see the touchdowns happening. Yeah. It's, I, I don't see James Conner getting more than seven touchdowns this season. And that, I would have to agree with that. Line. Yeah, I would say over under seven, I would say too. And even he might even get less than that. He could get yeah. injured second or third yeah. game or even in, pre, in the preseason. And then one of these other guys steps in. And yeah. there is no clear one, like you said. But, I mean, if you're looking at potential, Keontae Ingram is the guy to really draft. Like, I love Darrell Williams for what he did in the Super Bowl. He was in an absolute animal that game. But can I see him sustaining a full season of running? I don't see him being a one for a full season. And, you know, Benjamin, I'd say the same thing. So if you have a deeper league with a deeper bench and Keontae Ingram's there in the 13th round or the 12th round, yeah. you take him for pure upside. There's so many running backs this year that are being so undervalued in that area. And we'll, we'll touch on them, but just to say a few like Rashad white, and that, that's another guy that we're high on. And when we get to the NFC South, we'll talk about that situation too. Cause that's another running back in my opinion, that's being way too drafted way too high as well. But for now, I would say, I would say fade James Conner if you can. I wouldn't even take him desperately. Um, yeah. I would just, even, even yeah. if that running back pool is looking dry, you just gotta, you gotta work around it. I, there, I would yeah. never advise a pick of James Conner this season. I know sometimes you start looking at running back pool that's available and you panic and you, and you go for the just best available. I plead that you don't do that in your drafts. (laughs) I plead the values like you're listing around there at those other positions are so much greater than a James Conner or even fantastic players. Fantastic. the, the, The running back tier below him. You've got the Brees Hall, Travis Etienne, JK Dobbins kind of area. I would take yeah. all of those guys over James Conner. I would take all of them over James Conner because I feel like they have the same upside and the floor is there that James Conner doesn't have. And I think a lot of people like to think James Conner has this high floor and he's a safe play. He's not that player. No. He's highly touchdown dependent and highly injury prone. And to me, that's just a recipe for disaster with your running back, especially if you're drafting in the third round. Um, but I want to be a little positive here on the Arizona offense because I feel like we're we're making it sound like we hate this team. Yeah. But um, a guy I want to bring up that I love and I've always faded him in the past, never been a big fan. But Marquise Hollywood Brown yep. into this offense, I am all over. I'm glad I, you said that. I don't. I don't think I've ever owned him in fantasy football, ever, because that Baltimore offense, even when they threw. They won't. They weren't throwing in a way that that complimented Marquise's uh, his, his game. Yeah. There was an occasional deep ball, which last year, unfortunately, there was some rough drops on. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that went a little if, viral. I I did but, hear a stat the other day. Marquise <laughs> Brown caught five of thirty deep balls. Five yeah. of thirty catchable deep and balls last year. Catchable. So that's five out of thirty catchable. Five balls. out of thirty catchable balls. Yep. That's not good. That's no. not a good stat. But. In this offense, I think Kingsbury is a lot creative. more creative in the yep. pass game. And they're going to just find ways. You know what? Marquise Brown doesn't have the best hands. That's a yep. weakness he has. And probably at this point, he's not going to fix that. But I, I don't see them 
making that trade, investing heavily in him, and then not designing this offense around him. Yeah. They, they drafted Rondell Moore, and I think he isn't exactly what they thought he was going to be. And I think Brown now is going to come in and slide into that role that they kind of designed for that small, shifty wide receiver, get the ball out of Kyler's hands quick. I think that's a, an yeah. avenue that we have not seen Marquise Brown utilized in is those quick plays, get in, get in his hands and let him go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what Kyler needs too. Kyler has never really had that short route safety blanket. And I would love to see them use Marquise Brown in that facet. Um, especially with DeAndre Hopkins out, great opportunity the first yeah. first few weeks there. So yeah, Marquise Brown, a guy that I'm I'm really bullish on. But mm-hmm. I, you, you let us know that that not so great stats. Are you in on him as well, or where are you on on Marquise? Um, you know, I, I I'm very indecisive about Marquise Brown. I think that he could have had a much better year than he did last year if it was just more of a passing offense. But I just want to mention a guy that I think is kind of being underrated in drafts, and I wouldn't take him in a, a less deep pool, but I really like Rondale Moore. I think as a Purdue person, Rondale Moore, to me, is a very underrated receiver. And I think what you said, like, they just make t- they need to get Kyler Murray on quick bootlegs, and they need to get the ball out of his hands quickly. Um, last year, I think they're just doing too much in the pocket, and they're that's why they kind of struggled in the playoffs. It's because teams knew that, he was kind of in the pocket, and if he wasn't going to stay there, he's going to leave. So I think now that with um, with what's his name there, with Marquise, it's going to help Rondell even more. So I'm really high on Rondell Moore. I think he's a, he's a stretch, he's a field stretcher, and we'll see. I want to be wrong about Arizona, but we'll have to just see. Anyways, I think we can move away from them. We've done enough damage yeah. to Cardinals fans. We've done, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, so however, last team, last yeah. team here. And Seattle Seahawks. Not a pretty one by any no. means. I, um, I think we can we can sum up the passing game really quickly here. Yeah. Yeah. You, you want to stay away. You want to stay away from all Seattle, obviously, uh throwers. You don't want any of these quarterbacks anywhere near Do you, you don't want that's, you don't want Geno Smith I, on your fantasy team? No, I'm good. Oh, damn. But even when in terms of the wide receivers, holy smokes, Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf. So talented. It's sad. Excellent, excellent wide yeah. receivers. They are off my draft board. Yep. I'm sorry, but wide receivers are built on the offense and their quarterback. And mm-hmm. as talented as those two are, you're fading them. You're not drafting them unless the value is immense and they're really dropping. You can't touch these guys. Um, yeah. Obviously, that can change if maybe a Jimmy G trade comes yeah. into play, but yeah. I think we can keep it at that. You fade all pass catchers in this offense unless something changes yeah and i have to agree as and as a sad dk metcalf owner dynasty football it's it's tough to see this decline this team um i mean as we know russell wilson will talk about him as when we get to the afc later but this team just is not going to be the same without him and before we wrap this episode up we'll maybe do a quick little uh mock division of how we think the teams are going to be but i could see this team maybe winning two games seriously <laughs> it could happen it, it sounds sad but and and negative but in that division with that tough team and it's just they're not a good team and no. it's sad because you look at these two receivers that could be electric on any other team and I, in my opinion i think tyler lockett's gone by mid-season i think yeah. he's a contender dk metcalf i hope he gets traded because for my sake um but yeah we don't need to talk much about this team Noah fant is going to be faded again 
Yeah. Um, Rashad nope. Penny, Kenneth the, Walker, stay away from those guys. Like, that's the interesting part to me, though. Yeah. I'm so torn because they're going to be losing games. And traditionally, when a team's losing games, they're not running the football. Mm-hmm. But it, Pete Carroll doesn't have a quarterback that's going to be able to sustain any sort of offense. I see him. I can see them being down 21 points and they're still pounding the rock Yeah, with, with these guys. So to me, I, I don't love Kenneth Walker and Rashad Penny, but their, their ADP, the price you're paying right now is respectable. Yeah. It's very respectable. So I think if you're, where are they? Rashad Penny, you're looking at RB 32 and Walker, you're looking at RB 34. I don't hate the value of those guys. Yeah. So again, you just kind of got to go with the flow. I feel like with these two running backs, personally, if I'm picking one of them, I'm drafting Kenneth Walker because I think in those later rounds, you know, when you're looking at seventh, eight round picks, you're looking for those league winners. I think Rashad Penny is that guy that can come out hot. Maybe he gets hurt, likely gets hurt. Um, I just think at some point throughout the year, whether it's due to injury or talent, Kenneth Walker takes over and it might not happen until week 10. But like I said, in those seven, eight round zones, I'm looking for league winners, guys that are going to get hot at the end. So if you're taking a Seattle running back, they're going back to back. Essentially, I take Kenneth Walker. Yep, I'd agree with you there. Kenneth Walker is the guy I think. I Don't listen to this Rashad Penny 20 carries a game thing that just came out. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't see it. He was streaky last year. I think it's unsustainable, and Kenneth Walker is the younger, more talented running back. So I yeah. think we can talk less about you now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's just wrap that up. And uh, before we end the episode, let's just do a quick little um, standings. What do you think? I'll let you go first. Who's taking that division? Even though it should be obvious. Yeah, it's Rams. Rams take it. I've got uh, 49ers after the Rams. And then I go Cardinals and obviously Seattle. Those top three are tight though, man. This this is going to be a good division. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be very competitive. But yeah, I go Rams. I go Niners. I go Cardinals. I go Seahawks. On the exact same order. I think San Fran and Arizona could be interchangeable. Depends on how good Kyler plays. But I would keep it the same. Seahawks, I can see being under a three-win team. Arizona could be upper to the nine area. I think San Frank can win 10, 11 games, and Rams potentially could win 14. Like, yeah. they didn't really lose anybody. So I think it's it's a pretty safe thing to put the Rams at one. And I think that's a good wrapped episode one, Mace. Yeah. No, thank you. Everyone that listened, the millions of, of viewers here, we thank you for being here from day one. Yeah. We appreciate your time. Hopefully you got something valuable out of this next week. We're going into the NFC North. So mm-hmm. some more juicy topics. Juicy to go topics. Over. Oh yeah. So juicy. So we hope you all attend once again, the 50, 50 football podcast. My name's Mason. My name's Michael. And it's been his a pleasure. Name's, his name's Michael. My name's most, Michael. Most, most pleasure. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you guys you on Tuesday. Have a great day. See you Bye-bye. Tuesday.